This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Uh, It's great to see all of you. I just want to say welcome back to those of you who came here for the first time on Easter Sunday. Uh, This might even be your third time to be here. So welcome to you. For those of you who visited for the first time last week, uh, a special welcome to you. You are brave. You came back again, and that's awesome. So hope you have a great morning. For those of you who are here for the very first time, my name is Ron. I'm the founding pastor of the church, and it's going to be my pleasure over the next few minutes to give us some very practical teaching about relationships, as you might have guessed. And so I want to say something on the way in. Uh, I'm going to be teaching a number of principles this morning. And they, and they will come at you thick and fast. So you probably won't be able to write them down as fast as I'm going to give them to you. And also, there'll be things that are really important for you to know and remember. So when you leave this morning, uh, on a couple of stools by each door, you will find printed out notes that will have, it's like the Cliff Notes version of what I'm going to teach you this morning. So you can uh, write down whatever you want, but you can pick it up on the way out. Fair enough? All right. So let's talk about bad blood. And uh, let's review a couple of things. Uh, First of all, we're going to go back and look at the passage that underlies this whole series. But I have a little thing for you to do before we jump into that. If you would just take a very quick inventory of your life and, and in your mind, just think of one person. And it's a person in your life right now where you know that there's something in that relationship that you would prefer wasn't there. It doesn't have to be your mortal enemy. In fact, it's probably better off if it's not your mortal enemy. It had just a small thing. Because I'm going to teach you some skills this morning, and I would rather have you practice them on somebody that you have a little problem with, and the stakes aren't really, really high, than have you jump into the deep end of the pool with a person you have the biggest challenges with and and cut your teeth on that. That might not be very good. So if you can think of just one person where there's a little something there, And then listen to the entire teaching this morning in the context of that relationship and what you might be able to do about it. So here's here's our background text. If it is, there it is. If it is possible, as much as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And then he says, do not take revenge. I'm giving you excerpts from this whole passage. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Have you ever been shocked at a thought that you had in your head about something you would like to do to somebody or something you would like to say to them? We all have. We all have. I want to point out four things from this passage that, that would be good background things for us. Number one, we have a responsibility for the health of the relationships in our lives. 
you and I cannot afford to say, not my problem. That person's a jerk. God simply does not give us a free pass on on awkwardness in a relationship. He says, if it is possible, as much as depends on you. We have that responsibility. Secondly, our responsibility has limits as much as it depends upon us. Every human relationship in the world involves two people. And you, as much as you would like to, cannot control the other person. You understand? Can only control you. So as far as it depends on you, those are your, those are your limits. And there's good reason that God puts those limits there because he wants you to have peace about every relationship in your life. Even the relationship you have with your mortal enemy, if you have one of those. You can still have peace about that relationship because God is teaching us this. We can have peace about a relationship even when we don't have peace in it. That's what Caroline wrote wrote down out of last week's message. And that's a really important thing. It doesn't have to torment us. We don't have to stay up late at night. We don't have to constantly have our mind spinning on how we can solve that relationship because, friends, some relationships are just not solvable until that person actually wants to solve it. And God wants us to have this peace about that relationship even when it's not possible at this point for us to have peace in it. And then this is where we get into this morning's material. Our goal is to overcome evil with good and not to overcome injustice with justice. Now follow me in this. Every human relationship in the world involves at least two very imperfect and very flawed people. Are you on board with that? You say, wait a minute, I'm pretty good. Uh, yes, you are pretty good. I'm pretty good too. But I've noticed this. No one has ever confused me with Jesus. Never once. Because they wouldn't have to follow me long before they would realize, ah, that guy's no savior. He's a human being just like everybody else. Every human relationship in the world takes place between two very imperfect and very flawed human beings. So here's the real point I want you to get. The moment you and I think that we can introduce justice into that relationship and our goal is to make sure justice is served in this relationship, we will begin to kill that relationship. Because no relationship in the world can tolerate or survive pure justice. You know what makes relationships work? Grace. And when a relationship starts to go sour, here's why they can go south in a hurry. Because every relationship in the world that's not abusive, okay? If a relationship is abusive then it's all give on one side and all take on the other. You got it? And it's a, it's a perverted form of grace. But if you were to flip the scale the other way and everything was justice and there was no grace, that relationship would die. 
actually, it would implode. Because every relationship in the world that's healthy is a wonderful combination of truth and justice and love and grace. And the moment you extract either one, it will go south. I want to teach us this morning about how to overcome evil with good. Every one of us in this room has been wronged in a relationship. And every one of us in this room has done wrong in a relationship. Because we're human beings. And there's an amazing couple of scriptures in the Bible that teach us what the first step is. How to take it. And let's go take a look at what is actually the first step. And the first passage is in Matthew chapter 18. These are both from the lips of Jesus. And Jesus says, if you are presenting, Jesus says, if a brother or sister sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. Now on your cheat sheet of notes there, I printed out the passages that we're going to talk about today. If you would be so kind as to underline and circle the word go, because that actually is the very first step. Go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. So this is a case where your brother or sister has wronged you. And what's the first step that we take when someone has wronged us? What's the first step? Oh, you know, what's the first step? There you are. Yes, go. Now let's take a look at another passage of Scripture, and this is from the opposite side, and this is when we have wronged somebody else. Jesus says, if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar, now we don't have an altar here and we don't do sacrifices here, so for the sake of where we are today, if you show up at church, okay, and there you are, and you're about ready to sing. By the way, was the worship band wonderful today? Yes. Yes. I I stood in the back and cried two or three times. It was just God's overwhelming love is amazing. And that's what we're talking about today. So if you come to church and you're, you're about ready to listen, you're about ready to sing, you're about ready to give, you're about ready to take communion. And there you are in the church building and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you. Oh, in this case, I hurt somebody else. Leave your sacrifice there at the altar. What's the next word? Go Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Now, I'm sure being the bright and focused people that you are, you recognize a pattern there. The first step in both cases is what? It's go. Yeah, it's go. So what does that look like? It looks like this. When we've been wronged, we take the first step, we go. When we have wronged, we take the first step, we go. The question is, what do we do when we get there? Yeah, so Jesus says, here, go and forgive. And if you take the teachings of the Bible and the other authors that, that, that God shared, hey, write this down, we go and forgive if we have been wronged, but if we have wronged, Then the deal is we go and repent. Two different responses. They start with the same action. We go, but two different things that we do when we get there. And so we're going to talk about these two things 
more this one this morning than this one because I want to tell you, come back next week, Pastor Kevin is actually going to teach you how to forgive. Okay? So you're not going to want to miss that. Today I'm going to teach us more about this. So then the question is this, how should we go? Before I jump into how we should go, how many of you have ever heard of the word confrontation? For how many of you is that a positive word? No, I remember back in the 70s, someone tried to gussy up that word and they actually wrote a book called Carefrontation. Doesn't that sound so 70s? Yes, I'm not here for a confrontation. I'm here for a carefrontation. And the amazing thing is, when you leave, they do not feel cared for. Most of us have actually had that response. And we've sort of sat back and there's something wrong in this relationship and we know we should solve it, but every time we play in our mind how that conversation is going to go, it never ends in a good place. So we don't actually go and we wait and we wait and we wait and we wait and we hope it gets better. Or we do what a lot of families do. We lift the carpet, sweep, and we pretend that that awkwardness never took place. And we think, if I just don't talk about it, And we just go on as if nothing ever happened, that it will somehow fade away. Can I tell you, when you ignore awkwardness and hurt in a relationship, it doesn't actually go away. It goes inward. And it stacks up. Hmm. Now here's how this has played out most of our lives. We take it, and we take it, and we take it, and then we ask ourselves this question. Is my relationship with that person worth it? And a lot of times we go, nope. So you know what we do? We just exit. I'll go find a new friend. We put distance in that relationship. That person is confused. They might not even know what happened. And we move on. Because I'm going to cut my losses and move on. And by golly, I'll find a new friend. And if we're honest and if we're truthful, there are many of us in this room who have left a trail of hurt and broken people with whom we don't have relationship today because it was too painful for us to try to fix it. Or... On the other side, we decide, yes, I'm going to try to put this together. So we take some time to crank up our courage. Anybody relate to that? We're going to crank up our courage, and we're going to map it all out in our head, and we're going to list all the reasons why they need to apologize. (laughs) Right? And we crank up our courage, we, and then we say, hey, can I talk to you about something? You know, I, 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 yeah, okay, I just got to get this off my chest. Which means I'm going to take my junk and I'm going to lambast you with it. That's normally what that means. If it comes off my chest, it's going somewhere, right? You know where it usually goes? Right in their face. And how does that usually end? Not well. 
And we walk away and we say this, man, I'm never doing that again. Now I want to tell you why that, that goes that way. Because we do what's natural to us. I said a while ago that every human relationship in the world takes place between two very imperfect and very flawed people. Do you remember that? So when an imperfect person and a very flawed person does what comes natural to them, is it predictable that the results will be very imperfect and flawed? What do you think? But it's amazing how we can take this very imperfect person and I can do what seems natural to me and I expect this very imperfect and flawed person to get perfect and unflawed results. Now in 101 logic, they would say, you're smoking something because that's not how that works. So what I want to teach us this morning is sort of the opposite of what comes natural to us. And that's why I've printed it out in notes because you're not going to be able to remember all this stuff this morning. But I just want to say up front that most of the things that Jesus taught us are counterintuitive, which is why we often struggle to do them. Because they're the opposite of what comes natural to us. But here's the great thing about Jesus. Because he knows that we're imperfect and flawed, he came to show us how to live a different way with way different results. And so let's see if we can lay this out. So how should we go? Let's take a look at four things. Number one, we should go immediately. I'm sorry. Yes, go directly. Here's what I mean. You don't go to your friends. You know why we go to our friends? We're cranking up our courage because I feel very emboldened when I talk to all of my other friends and they tell me, you're right. That guy is an idiot. And if I hear that enough times, I can crank up enough courage to go to that guy and basically convey to him or to her that they're an idiot. And they actually need to apologize for being an idiot. Yeah. So we go to our friends. We go to our life group under the guise of a prayer request. (laughs) Doesn't that sound holy? And if that's not holy enough for us, we go see our pastor. Because no one can ever fault you for going and seeing your pastor. And if that's not holy enough, we go see a counselor, preferably a Christian counselor. Because I'm going to get some guidance on how to load my shotgun so I can shoot you with a bullet from my childhood. Yeah. You know something? Go directly. You don't need to talk to a friend. You don't need to talk to your life group. You don't need to talk to your pastor. You don't need to talk to a counselor. You just need to go. Now, not only do you need to go directly... You need to go immediately. Okay? That's why at the very end, I'm going to go through a list of things that you and I can do this week. 
Go immediately. But here's an important thing, okay? The longer you put this off, the more difficult it's going to get. It's like a piece of very cheap meat. The longer you chew on it, the bigger it gets. You ever had that experience? You chew on that thing long enough and you will not be able to swallow it. That's what this is like. You have a leak in the bathroom. If you don't fix it immediately, the dry rot just begins to spread and it will always be more difficult and more expensive. Go early. Go early. Think about this. If you have a if you have a conversation early, you will not have to have a confrontation later. Got that? Conversation early, no no confrontation later. But do the necessary heart work first. Okay? If you have a mental shotgun, take the shells out of it before you go. Okay? Do the heart work first, and I'm going to teach you about the heart work a little bit later this morning. Okay? So go immediately. Then go humbly. This is so important. I love this. First of all, remember, you might not be right, and you might not have the whole story. So be curious. I want you to write down these words, okay? If you want this conversation to go well, be more curious than you are convinced. Be more curious than you are convinced. Which means when you're curious, you will go with a desire to listen and learn. Instead of to talk and to make your point. Be curious. That will help you in the humility department for sure. And then last of all, go in love. When, while most of us are busy ratcheting, ratcheting up our courage, we should actually be ratcheting up our what? Our love. Okay? I want to give you a little formula. It's not in your notes, and I, I'm sorry I didn't even put it in the ones you're going to pick up. But here it is. Okay? Remember I talked about the heart work? Okay? You'll know your heart work is done when your love for that person is greater than your irritation with what they've done. Yeah. Because then you will go in love. And you won't be ratcheting up your courage, you'll be ratcheting up your love. And then you have to ask yourself this question. Is it more important for me to be right or to be reconciled? Remember I said a while ago that no relationship in the world can handle pure justice? This is where that rubber meets the road. Because if you have to be right, then oftentimes you will never be reconciled. Because the truth is, you and your friend will look at the same situation completely differently. And if the only way you think you can be reconciled is for them to come over to your side and see it the way you do, In other words, there's two ways to look at this, the right way and the wrong way. Mine is right, yours is wrong. There are many times you don't have to see the situation the same. You can agree to disagree 
and love each other in the process? Is it more important to be right or to be reconciled? So what can we do this week? Well, let's take a look. First of all, if we've been wronged, we can forgive. I already said come back next week because Kevin's going to teach us how to forgive. But I want us to do something about that this week and start to ratchet up our love. Because if you work on your heart this week and you begin to pray, God, teach me how to love that person in spite of what they've done to me. Teach me how to increase my love for that person in spite of what they've said about me. Begin to ratchet up our love. Then when Kevin teaches us how to forgive, we'll be all amped up and ready to go do that. Because I will tell you this, forgiveness is not hard when you really love somebody. If you've been married longer than six months, you know that. Yeah. If you had a child longer than six minutes, you know that. (laughs) Forgiveness is not hard when you really love someone. So what do we do if we've wronged someone? This is where I want to spend the next few minutes and how I want to close. The first thing we do is ratchet up our love. Have you noticed the first two steps are the same no matter what? Go and ratchet up your love. It's not that hard. These are relationships, and relationships actually require both of those. But this is where it gets a little different. When we're going to go, and by the way, I'm going to teach you, these are the basic principles of the Bible word repent. And I'm just going to teach you the principles in the context of a relationship. And when I go to someone and I go directly to them and I go immediately to them with the right heart and I go humbly to them and then I take full responsibility for what I've done. This doesn't mean that you did it maliciously. You may have or you may not have. It just means you take full responsibility for this. There's nothing in your message that says, I know I did that, but you made me. No, no. Full responsibility. Then you apologize without excuses, and without explanations. You know something? If you come directly, and you come immediately, and you come humbly, this person will never, ever, ever question your love for them. They just won't. But the moment you start to make excuses, they will. Does that make sense to everybody? Because now you're trying to justify yourself. Are you realizing that the root word of justify is the same root word as justice? You got it? Relationships can't handle that. Okay? Then, lay out a plan for change. Most of us are willing to forgive if you're willing to say, I don't plan to do that again. And here's my plan. Thank you for pointing this out. 
Thank you for bringing it to my attention. I'm so glad we were able to have this conversation and you've spurred some thoughts in me. And you know, here's a way that I'm going to change my behavior. And then, ask for forgiveness. That's a big one. I'm, I'm, but it is life-changing. When you look someone in the eye and you take full responsibility and you apologize without explanation or excuse and you lay out a plan for change in your own life and you look them in the eye and you say, will, will you forgive me? I've never had one person say no. They won't. Because now they know how absolutely important this relationship is to you. They know what your motives are. They know, they just know everything they need to know to heal that relationship. I want to close by reading an email that I got from a lady in our church. And this was right after when the fires came through and we turned this place into an evacuation shelter. And I got this email shortly after we tore everything down. And I want you to listen to this email because this lady hadn't heard this message But I can tell you she nailed it at every point, and I want to walk you through it. Hi, Ron. I hate to bother you when you have so much going on that is of so much more importance. I just wanted to communicate something to you that's been weighing heavily on me. I want to start by apologizing for not talking to you in person about it. I value face-to-face communication so much more than email, but for whatever reason, I just didn't do it. Can I say something out of fairness to this lady? It's not that easy to sit down face-to-face with the founding pastor of your church and say, can we talk about something where you hurt me? I got that. I, I, I know what that would be like. Anyway, I feel as though I'm misstepping with you right now, and it all stems back to last Monday while we were demobilizing the shelter. I know just how upset and bothered you were about the lost or misplaced contact information you were looking for. So somewhere in that whole mess, there were three or four pieces of contact information of people who had houses available for people whose houses burned down. Okay? I was frantically looking for those pieces of information because we had very real families who were now going to have to live on the street if I couldn't find that. Okay? And then she went on to say, and I know you think it was my fault. I feel truly terrible about it. But I also know I had nothing to do with it being missing. Can you see how she's cutting me all sorts of grace in this? And yet, here's a piece of truth that I need, right? I had nothing to do with it. 
I didn't remove any posters from the wall you said it was on, and I never threw a single thing away for this exact reason. I did not want to risk being responsible for anything important going missing. Now listen to this. I know you didn't mean it probably, but when you said, I'm not mad at you, but, and it's very interesting, I don't think she remembered anything else I said. It was crushing for me. I've been praying that you found the information and were able to help house those families in need. God bless her for praying, even though she was crushed. I really do feel silly having to express this all to you, but when I, quote, took your seat yesterday, this is how relationships go sideways. So here's how how this all took place. So the Sunday before she wrote this, which was only a couple of Sundays after the whole emergency shelter, I, I was done greeting people in the back, and Monica couldn't come to the only service I could go to that day, so I was going to look for a seat. And as I often do, I will look for a friend, because I rarely get to sit with my friends at church, and I looked all the way down in the front, and my good friend Mark Malazzo was sitting there, and there were two empty chairs beside him. I thought, that's awesome. So, while the worship leader was up here teaching us about communion, I quietly made my way down to the front, and I took my seat right beside Mark, feeling very privileged that I got to sit by my friend. Not realizing that Mark was actually saving those for this lady and her husband. So she says, when I took your seat, Ironically, Mark had been saving those for my husband and me, but didn't say anything when you sat down. Who wants to say to the founding pastor, I saved that for somebody else? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Huh. I'm oblivious. So after church, I find her and I go, hey, thanks for taking my seat. Because I had actually left to take care of something that, that needed to be taken care of. And when I went to come back to sit by my good friend Mark, the seats were taken. Hmm. Isn't this how relationships go sideways? Yeah, it's usually Mark. Yeah, it's usually Mark. There you go. That's yeah, right. Thank you, Mark's wife. Yeah. So she said, I just felt again like I had disappointed you or let you down or bothered you, or something. I feel like you're getting the wrong impression of me, which breaks my heart. By the way, if you want the first sort of principle or guideline for how to do this, lead with your heart. Perhaps I'm too sensitive, and perhaps this is much ado about nothing, But I needed to communicate it with you so I could stop worrying about it so much. Two o'clock in the morning is getting tiresome to think about this. When I read that, my heart broke. Something I said was keeping this lady up till 2 a.m. Anyway, I apologize again for not talking to you in person. 
and for possibly making more of this than needed. Thank you for listening, and I hope you have a glorious week full of many blessings. Can we have a hand for a lady who got it right? I want to close with an illustration. In this life and in relationships, you and I basically have two options. We have justice and we have love and grace. I wonder how many relationships are actually healed and blessed with this. Does this look like something that would heal a relationship? Not really. How about this? Every time a relationship starts to go awkward or south, you and I can either pick up the gavel of justice and try to make our case heard and try to be right, or we can pick up our heart and fix the relationship. My prayer for you and my prayer for me is that we go with our heart and not justice. Would you pray with me? God, thank you so, so, so much that when our relationship with you went south, we sinned and we hurt you as we all have and all do many times. Thank you so much that you came after us with your heart. You came after us with love. You came after us with care. As, as our worship team led us in so capably this morning, you pursued us. You left 99 sheep who were all doing okay, and you went after us. And you picked us up, and you brought us home. Now, God, would you give us so much love for our fellow man? that we would go after them. Not with a gavel of justice, but with a heart filled with love. That's our prayer. We pray it in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. 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 We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.